Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the, what, Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with... Thank God, it's Frankly Val, and... Ooh, that was a good one. Beans! So before we started, you sent me a clip from your show that I actually thought was really funny, Frank. <laughs> oh, and I, just, I just put it up on Instagram, because I remembered about it from Monday night. It was after... Because I, I, it was inspired by all the 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 sixty minutes stuff, especially the commercials advertising Joe Biden's upcoming C, uh, sixty minutes com, uh, appearance on Sunday night, which they're still trying to fix. I know. Oh, the why pen- did they why did they let him out in they public have- at all? If everything he says needs to immediately be detracted or dismissed, it's just incredible. Because they have to. They have to. And I guess they figured, because it was 60 minutes, if he said anything crazy, they'd just edit it out. They didn't edit the pandemic comment out. No. Pandemic is over. I don't know why they would do that. It's a very interesting strategic question. I know. Especially since so much money is still being sloshed around in the name of pandemic relief. Well, yeah. I mean, that would mean that like, if the pandemic was over... They'd have to like retract their emergency spending bill and stop doing exactly what you just said, which is funneling money over there into everything. Uh, especially UBI. Um, you, you did you see that new Cook County program for universal basic income? No. They are. They have made, and it's all through the auspices of COVID relief. They have this is. Hold on, hold on. I, you you got to listen to this. Oh yeah. For you sure. you want to talk about the destruction of the human species? Oh Hold boy. on. Uh, that sounds terrible, Frank. Yeah, yeah. Cook County UBI. Where the hell is it? Um. Okay. Listen to this. How are you gonna play it? Oh no, I'm just gonna read it. Oh okay, okay. Nationandstate.com. Let's see what this is. Uh. Okay, yeah, this was brought right off of the zero hedge that I read. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. She looks like a real winner. Among the oblivious are Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle and the rest of her board. Last week, she announced the county's version of what is often called Universal Basic Income, UBI. Under the program, the county will send monthly payments of anywhere between 500 to $3,250 to its residents who successfully apply for two years. At $42 million, it's, quote, the largest publicly funded guaranteed income initiative in American history, she said so proudly. UBI programs are sometimes called free money, as uh, in this column, describing 13 similar programs in certain cities around the nation. And it's a fair label because it's exactly the point, to make cash handouts with no strings attached. And this one is the most lenient about it, too. Eligibility is open to anybody in Cook County, 18 or older, with a household income at or below 250% of the poverty level, or about $58,000 for a family of three. About 36% of all Cook County residents will therefore be eligible. And uh, it goes into all the reasons why it's madness. Uh, the, the the second the, the first one is that it's supposed to be for pandemic relief, and Biden just said that the pandemic is over. So, uh, but but uh, of course the bigger thing is that it's you're never going to these pilot programs to see how it works out is nonsense. They are staying forever. You never take a program like that away if you're trying to be a socialist nation. Well, you, tell me something. 
where are you going to find an instance in which someone is given $3,000 extra a month and their quality of life didn't at least objectively improve in some way? Well, where are you going to find someone who's willing to give that up and actually go out and do it themselves? Exactly. I mean, if you if you add 500 to $3,000 a month to anybody in this audience's life, they are going to have a much easier time living life. It is so the, the fact that they're going to see how it works out if any positive effects come from robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. Of course, you know, Paul is going to say this is great. Peter Peter, however, is going to be trying to get ramen on his table for his kids because right. his taxes are going to go through the roof. Yeah, no, it's uh this is this is what the end really looks like. And I, I love how people talk about reparations and slavery. This is the worst form of slavery. And I don't know why people don't see the bonds. It's crazy. You're right. It is slavery. And it, and it just, it makes, by the time you're done, everybody's on this program and they're just printing money out of the, the you know, thin air to, to, to fund it. Like yeah. what happens when everybody needs it because the people who are working can't keep up with the demand to pay the people who aren't? What happens? I don't know. It's, then it's, you know, then it's more, this has to be corrected. I survive off of this. Well, you, you are the proverbial... Uh, an animal in the national park that everybody's told not to feed because you lose all of your instincts to provide for yourself. You know what's funny? That kind of segues into something that I wanted to talk about today, completely unintentionally, Frank. But right, yeah. So there's um there's a story out there right now by the Miami Herald, who of course is digging into this DeSantis program. Like you know, you have to make sure that you you uh find out what's actually going on here. So they've They've discovered in their piece that they think allegedly what happened was that DeSantis sent a a team over to San Antonio to find people to then send up to different locations, promising them, you know, jobs and, you know, whatever, a place to live and more services than they're getting in San Antonio, and then put them up in a La Quinta and in suites. And then like the Delaware, I mean, the uh, Martha's Vineyard people went but the Delaware people, remember they were saying, oh, there's a plane that's going to go to Delaware, blah, 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 blah. That that plane never went, so these people never went. That's what the story basically says, okay? Okay. Now, there, this is a paragraph from it that I want to read to you that just encapsulates what you just said. There were conditions to staying at the hotel as part of the program. The recruiters warned him not to give out any information or talk about what they were doing. It still would have been worth it, he said, speaking to an immigrant, by the way, had he gotten to a state that provided more resources to migrants. He just wanted to work, and the woman's offer seemed to promise that opportunity. In reality, asylum seekers are not allowed to work immediately, although they have legal status in the United States. So, okay, Diker uh, Jose's plan vanished the moment the flight was canceled. Quote, I want to cry because I feel hopeless. I have nothing. How do I work? How do I survive? He said. Well, how were you surviving in your own country, dude? This is incredible. I come here. I go through all the trouble of coming here illegally. And now I... Like, that's what I'm talking about. No one's going to give me a job. How do I survive here? Maybe you should have thought of that first. Maybe you should have thought about how you were being used, that there is no benefit for a nation to actually invite an invasion onto itself, that there's obviously many problems here domestically, 
with the people running the show, that you are used as cannon fodder. There's no benefit for inviting tens of millions of people like yourself to just rush the border and hide out. There's no benefit for having that that behavior encouraged. So you have to wonder, what am I being used for? And, I, you know, he doesn't care when he's being used to have a free pass to come here. But then when we won't support him indefinitely when he's here illegally and he's being promised all sorts of things that he never gets. Come on, man. Use your yeah. brain. Terrible. I know. I know. Just terrible. But what you said about how am I going to survive just reminded me of this. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? I have no, I have nothing. Um, I well, I can tell you one thing that's not going to happen to him. He'll be on the government dole at some point in some way, and there's going to be some starving family out there who won't. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a fan of entitlement programs, obviously, but if we're going to have to have them at least support our own people who are struggling here because of inflation, high gas prices, God knows what else. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have no clue. I remember, well, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, that was on my plate, um, I was getting some help toward the end from some family helping me with Skip and trying to get because one of the things that was going on is that toward the end of his stay at the hospital, I mean, at this point, he had already lost his job and his insurance. And now we're frantically trying to see if we can get him on on Medicare. Mm. And the, the the process is so arduous. I remember and then I, I remember like maybe three or four weeks before he died. One of the uh, one of the I, I, there's a real smug doctor there I, I couldn't stand, and uh, she was telling me that there are no dialysis chairs in the state of Connecticut for him to use, and that we uh, there's nothing I can do. There's there's no dialysis chairs out there. Nobody wants to take him because he's too high risk or whatever the hell. I said, so what what are you saying? He's just he, you're, you the the dialysis centers are condemning him to death. Like what's happening here? She actually made a comment that he that uh, and I don't know if this is out of her own disdain for how things were or what, but she made a comment that it, uh, he he'd actually have a little bit more uh, luck if he were an illegal immigrant, if he were a non-citizen. And, and, and listen, that's that's the reason why hospitals all over the new the New York tri-state area have closed down. I mean, my my uh, my town used to have a hospital right in it, United Hospital. A lot of my friends were born there. Uh, you know, everybody is going. To, it was great having an emergency room a couple of miles away yeah. at all times. That was one of the hospitals closed down because once the illegal immigration problem got really bad, then uh, you can't turn anybody away, and 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 people would just overwhelm the system around here for flus. For I was just gonna say for like a sore throat or common like- cold, they show up just for preventative care, and th- there's no one to bill. So the smaller hospitals that were actually serving communities in very pivotal ways, they were – that's where my grandfather got dialysis. You know, they, that he, he was just – he was in town. He didn't have to travel 10 miles to go sit in a chair for five hours. And it, that all that stuff is gone because you know, it's unaccountable. It's terrible between all of their staffing issues and money issues and everything else. And then I just told a story on the pre-show. I'll just preview it for people now because I'm working on it. My – my brother-in-law goes to this barber who is just an amazing guy, uh, former Navy CB. He's here, obviously, in the area. And you bring you you go every two weeks to see somebody with your kid. You're going to build up a relationship over time, right? So finally, like, there was something wrong. Like, he was just down and not feeling well. So 
my brother-in-law was like, well, what's going on? And he told him this story about how he needs this life-saving heart surgery because of injuries he sustained while overseas serving and the VA won't pay for the doctor who does this surgery. Like this one doctor in the, in the, there's two doctors in the entire world who can do the surgery for this guy. This one doctor is not quote in network. And I guess the VA went back to doing what it was doing before Donald Trump came in with wow. how their veterans are treated. And he, they won't pay for the surgery. And he's like beside himself. He doesn't know what to do. It's $170,000 for the surgery. And he's like, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm just stuck. I'm stuck in the system. But meanwhile, Mr. Illegal Immigrant could come in and get dialysis over your uncle. I mean, your dad. Yeah, I, no, it's, it's, it's true. This it's is- true. And, and, and you know what? The illegal immigrant, if they have re- if they're if they're suffering from renal failure and they need dialysis, they, they aren't less human than anybody else. No. But again, they they're they're suffering the consequences of being roped in to a scheme that was meant to overwhelm the uh, the electorate of a one sovereign nation. And, uh, and, and, you know, you, you, you can't let human beings go with that. That's why emergency rooms will continue to take anybody that walks to the door. You must. You, you really you, – you, you got to. I mean it is the humane thing to do. The inhumane thing to do, the inhumane, the real thing that could be prevented is what is bringing them here. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean uh, – but you, you, it's very hard to have a conversation that gets into that kind of nuance without – having already been called racist, xenophobic five, ten times before you get there. Okay, so we've got a couple things in court news today. Um, first, we have this this lawsuit we were talking about on Wednesday before we got off air by Letitia James, who is suing the entire Trump family civilly in New York because she couldn't find a criminal charge to save her life, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I went through, it's 222 pages long and a lot of financial mumbo jumbo, you know, crazy. But so I learned a couple things. Like I didn't realize this in New York. Let's say you go into a deposition in New York and you plead the fifth. In a civil case, the, the opposing party, whether it's the government or whoever, is allowed to use that against you in a civil case. Pleading the fifth? Yeah. So like he pled the fifth, but that means he must not want to answer because he's guilty. In a civil case, you're allowed to do that in New York because I saw her doing it and I was like, this is insane. I can't believe they're actually doing this in a court filing. And then I realized in New York, the law is that you can, you can use it to your advantage in a, in a pleading. I, I, what I don't get is I, I, I don't, like you said, he, he couldn't find any, they couldn't find anything criminally. So now they're going after him civil. Yeah. If the, if we're talking about accusations of nearly a quarter billion dollars worth of fraud how is it not criminal that's a great question i i don't understand that how because, how is that you know honestly the whole thing is is a bunch of nonsense and even politico had an article about how much nonsense it actually is they are basically saying well all these banks were duped by these statements that this guy prepared that overinflated the value of his properties and all kinds of other things, and that the appraisers were all like, you know, like the bank appraiser that came in to do it didn't do his job right. Everybody failed their jobs in in this. Nobody did anything correctly from the accounting firm that prepared the statements down to the appraisers who came to the properties. Everybody did did 
something wrong. The banks were bamboozled by his charm and his wit, and they loaned him a whole bunch of money based on inflated property values that were not correct, right? That's her story. And it's just from personal experience, and I can't exactly say why, but I'll just tell you that I know that Donald Trump has auditors on his on his outside auditors constantly auditing everything to make sure that everything is done by the book. I knew this 15, 20 years ago. This is just the way he does it because he's he doesn't want to break any laws, hence why they can't charge him with the crime. And he wants to keep his businesses running above board, but while keeping as much money as possible, which he's not, been open about. Not not to mention anything else that is uh, that is open source information about Donald Trump and his operation. Um, he he was dealing. Not only is he is he building buildings and resorts and all that, but he's dealing at least at a time. In the most mob-infested cities in yep. the world, I mean, Vegas, for what you, Vegas, Vegas, Atlantic City, yep. New York City. I mean, the, this was, um, and and with Atlantic City, we know that he was a uh, a regular informant for the FBI. He was he was in contact with the FBI. He was always trying to stay on the uh, on the on the right side of things and. And you know how I, I I started really putting all this together was what's his name uh, Thomas Paine's book how we took down the FBI in our pajamas yeah you remember that book yep I mean that, that's when I really started seeing the scope of even the, um, the 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 private intelligence firm that he has pretty much assembled around him you know from intelligence to armies of lawyers and as you said auditors and accountants I just this is uh, look at what she's seeking as remedy. All right, the relief sought for these supposed crimes that he's committed. He he wants she wants them to cancel any certificate filed under the provision section of the General Business Law of New York for corporate entities. Any he basically wants to they want to take away every license he has to do business in New York. Everyone, okay? Then appoint an independent monitor to oversee compliance, financial reporting, valuations and disclosures to lenders, insurers and authorities at Trump Org for for 5 years. Um replace the trustees of his trust with new independent trustees and it's it, it it's ridiculous. Then require them to prepare a gap compliant audited audited statement of financial condition with an independent auditing firm empowered to retain independent valuation personnel showing his next net worth. There's more. Bar him from entering an, into any New York State commercial real estate acquisition for five years. Bar him for applying for loans from any financial institution chartered or registered with the New York Department of Financial Services for five years. That's like every single bank. The, the, there's no other way to describe these people except rapists. Yeah. They are they are molesters. They are rapists. They are obsessive, obsessively. There, there's um, there's more. She wants all of this. Permanently bar Senior Trump, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric from serving as an officer or director in any New York corporation or similar business entity registered or licensed in New York. Um, and then award disgorgement of all financial benefits obtained by each defendant from the fraudulent scheme, including all financial benefits from lenders, insurers, and then estimated to be about $250 million plus, plus prejudgment interest. Like, it's absurd. It's absurd. And, you know, look, they're going to file a motion to dismiss. I hope and pray that there is a an, some chance. I mean, there is just, they already tried to settle this with her one time. And she was like, no. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a civil suit. 
and, and the fact that the state attorney general uh, in a, of a state of 23 million, 20 million, whatever the hell it is, has been so incredibly obsessed with this when God knows what she could be doing. Well, that's what he said. You know, look what's going on in New York State right now, and they've spent the time to do this for years. They even bring in the Trump Jr., uh, the Don Jr. meeting with uh, Veselnitskaya, and and the Trump, the 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 fake Trump Moscow nonsense we debunked early on too. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. And then we'll move on to Trump's special master stuff now because this is really interesting to me. So the special masters appointed, obviously the 11th Circuit of Appeals said, you know what, you, you have to exclude those 100 classified documents from the special master. So yesterday the Judge Cannon in the case that Trump filed said, okay, special master, you know, don't look at these 100 documents. But he came out with his, with the special master came out with his requests and requirements. And one of them is really interesting. So they want, the special master is going to oversee the verification of the property inventory. You know, the inventory they gave that is like ridiculously vague and they didn't really list what was in there. Right. They, they want the Trump to provide a list of specific items set forth that he asserts were not seized from the premises. So things they said they took that they didn't. Okay. He wants a list of specific items that the plaintiff asserts were seized from the premises, but as to which plaintiff asserts that the inventory's description is incorrect. So if they took something and they definitely took it, but they described it one way, is that correct or is that wrong? Which is going to be really hard to do because they barely gave them anything to work with. But it's, it's basically to out them if they've fudged that inventory. Then they're looking for a detailed list and description of any item that Trump asserts was seized from the premises but isn't listed in the inventory. So things they took that they didn't write down. So they're basically pinning down the FBI on their property list, which is very important in a case like this. And the Washington Post and the left-wing media all come out like, oh, judge paints Trump into a corner about things that were taken on the property list. Like, Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all doomed. Yeah, it's like all doom on the media. It's doom for Trump and not yeah. for the FBI, of course. Right. But exactly. If I were the government and the special master put that out and I knew what I knew, which is that we did not do things the way we should have done them, I would be crapping my pants right now. Because there's no way around this for them. If if Trump says, like, you know, you didn't take this, I still have it, or whatever he could possibly say, you took this and you didn't tell me you did because it's missing and we know it's missing, then they're in, they're in trouble. I mean, that's a big deal. So I look at it in the complete opposite direction than the legacy media does. Mm. So there's that. Well, I'm I'm I'd love to see uh I'd love to see a victory there. Well, everybody would. I mean, you know, that's going to happen relatively quickly. So the schedule for the rest of the stuff is all laid out in here too. If you want to see it, you can go to my Truth Social. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's it's really interesting. Then we had what I would consider one of the most intriguing and, oh gosh, like gripping interviews I've, I've almost ever seen with a, an FBI whistleblower um, on the Dan Bongino show. And he, this is what he said. He couldn't, he, he left the bureau because he, he just couldn't stand it anymore, what they were doing. He goes through in painstaking detail over this hour um, what actually happened here. 
he's saying like basically the FBI has turned from a law enforcement agency into an intelligence agency. And so let's say, Frank, you're, you're, you know, friends with guy who, you know, decided to open up a website in Russia doing Russian propaganda and you went to college with him and dormed with him, right? But you haven't talked to him in probably five, 10 years, but he's over in Russia doing an anti-United States propaganda website, okay? okay? The FBI can literally, without your knowledge and without your consent and without any paperwork, start going through your financials, your phone records, everything about you that they could possibly gather from an intelligence perspective, and then keep that investigation open indefinitely until they decide that they're going to close it by sheer virtue of you being somewhere in the circle around that person. And that's what they do every single day. Hmm. So like, let's, mm-hmm. I'm friends with, I don't know, let's just put it out there like General Flynn, let's say. How many times do you think my financial records have been probed through by these guys? I, I, uh, I live next door to an FBI, a longtime FBI agent. And I, um, I, I often joke with him. I say, I say, so-and-so, just, just tell me, how big is my file? And uh, he he just laughs. He goes, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Said, yeah. Nobody. And I also, yeah, I have another, I have another, I have a lot, actually have a lot of feds around me, to be honest. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if they've been planted. Well, the the no. connection suddenly getting squeaky. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. I know. Well, well, the, the, uh, the F, my FBI neighbor and friend, he's, uh, I've known him my whole life. So he wasn't put in to watch me. My other, my newer neighbor. Uh-oh. He does, yeah. You know, I don't know. I think he does some contract work with the DOJ. I don't know. Try to feel him out. Uh, I'm just saying, like this guy goes on and on, and then he talks about like the vaccine mandate and how he pulled together like three or four hundred agents that just refused to get the vaccine for religious reasons or whatever their reasons were. And that policy, I mean, the interview is just bombshell. They talk a lot about the FBI literally opening investigations into freaking parents who were reported and snitched on on Facebook. So basically what will happen is somebody will see something on Facebook. They'll send it in. Facebook is proactively doing this, by, by the way, too. They'll send this into the FBI. Someone will open up an investigation on, you know, Joe Schmo who said, oh, I just picked up a new you know, shotgun at Walmart or whatever. And they also just happened to be at a school board meeting the week prior. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's no crime there. And the guy's saying there's literally no crime, but we're not investigating a crime. We're calling it intelligence gathering until they find a crime. And then they say, well, in the process of our intelligence gathering, we found this crime. It's so antithetical to everything this country stands for. And they are doing it with, with, complete disregard for any any anything and this guy and a number a number of people as per him are just fed up with it so he shows his face he gives his name he's got a brand new baby at home I mean this man is putting it all on the line part two is coming out today and it it, this is separate from the Miranda Devine story that came out yesterday with another FBI whistleblower who said that they are literally anyone who is even tangentially connected to January 6th, like at all. They even peripherally, it says the FBI intends to prosecute everyone even peripherally associated with January 6th. And another wave of J6 subjects are about to be referred to the FBI's Daytona Beach resident agency for investigation and arrest. Wow. He says, 
The Washington, D.C. field office is manipulating FBI case management protocol and farming out J6 cases to field offices across the country to create the false impression that right-wing domestic violence is a widespread national problem that goes far beyond the events of January 6th. As a result, he was listed as lead agent in cases he had not investigated and which his supervisor had not signed off on in violation of FBI policy. FBI domestic terrorism cases are being opened on innocent American citizens who were nowhere near the Capitol based on anonymous tips to an FBI hotline or from Facebook spying on their messages. These tips are turned into investigative tools called guardians after the FBI software that collates them. The FBI has post facto designated a grassy area outside the Capitol as a restricted zone when it was not restricted on January 6th in order to widen the net of prosecutions. And the last point, the Jacksonville area was inundated with guardian notifications and FBI agents were dispatched to conduct surveillance and knock on people's doors, including people who had not been in Washington, D.C. on that day or who had been to the Trump rally but didn't go inside the Capitol. I, well, I mean, I remember thinking the same. I mean, it's gotten so much worse because I guess they've established brand new public norms They've they've always been doing what they wanted to do behind the scenes, but um, especially with Russiagate, I, I, it was it was incredible to to see people, especially those who wanted to see Donald Trump destroyed by this, be like, oh well, we were this, oh yeah, if you if you it, I don't know if you support Trump, you support all these crimes we found. It's talking about the crimes, unrelated crimes they found in the process of an illegitimate. Uh, uh, investigation that did not prove what they set out to prove that he was committing treason uh getting help from the russians to be able to steal an american election that never happened nothing whatsoever but along the way along the way they picked they picked on people for things that otherwise are completely ignored elsewhere in government and around the oh, unless you're a, a a little person like us a, a tax uh a member of the tax cattle crew so it's it's incredible. I have to watch these these videos, the um, the first interview and the the other one. I love to watch that. Set it aside. Are they hosted just on Rumble or elsewhere? There, I think. Well, it's on his podcast, so you probably can get it through Apple Podcast. Oh, um, but it is on Rumble, yeah. And I mean, it, I was gripped to it the entire time because you could tell the guy's just being honest. He's telling the truth. I mean, there's no question about it. This is, we've always said, where are the whistleblowers? Where are the whistleblowers? There's a whole crap ton of them about to come out now. They're all put. They're all putting their names out there. The other one for, from the piece that I just read to you now was suspended and stripped of his weapon on Monday because he was protesting a raid on a citizen who did not do anything wrong and he wouldn't participate in it. So, Man. I mean... He's like, you can consider me a conscientious objector. This is not what I signed up to do. I did not sign up for this. So there's that, which is terrifying. It's just terrifying. God. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Outside of that, we have a whole bunch of other things going on. I I just, they, they passed in the House this change to the Electoral College Act. Did you see anything about this? Uh, Chris Ann Hall had sent me a link to her breakdown of it, but I have not watched it yet. So I know what happened. I just don't have any insight. Well, basically what they did was change the rules so that instead of just one from the House and one from the Senate to challenge the elector, they need 
uh, one third, I believe, of the House and the Senate to do it. They also made it so that the vice president's duty is just ceremonial. They put in penalties for governors and people who who try to stop the certification of elected, basically federalizing the election by taking the state's role and and changing it. Uh, The Senate also has a proposal out there, but there's a lower threshold for the challenges, which is one-fifth of the House and Senate instead of one-third. Oh, gee, thanks, guys. Mm. Um, And every single retiring, quote, Republican, which would be, I think, eight or nine of them, um, voted yes in the House on this. Because what do they got to lose? So what what are the changes here? There's the challenge change. There's the vice president change. There is a, um, there is a, if there's a catastrophe, election day can go on for five day change. Oh, wow. Yeah. So all, all we need is a constant flow of catastrophes. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they have to pr- protect democracy, Frank. I mean, come on. Oh my God. It's all over. Yeah. Wow. All you have to, and, and is that like nationwide or in specific regions and cities? No, it's can, nationwide. So, so. Is it what I mean is are specific regions, cities, districts autonomous in the way where let's say that there is a a uh, a purple district that Democrats really really want to have or keep or whatever? Uh, all they have to say is that uh, you know someone important got the flu or there was another pipe that burst and they need five days to find all of the um, to find all the votes that they. They would require to oh, win. That's a it, great. Hmm, yeah, that, that's what I would want to know. How autonomous are districts and regions and states in declaring emergencies to be able to give them a couple extra days to catch up? Let me see here. Ultimately, they say this is about protecting the will of the American voters. So let's <laughs> just ch- check and see. The bottom line, Frank, is if you want to object to the vote, you'd better have your colleagues in the Constitution on your side. You better have. Um, you better have a lot of lawyers because obviously the FBI is coming for you too. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing the detail on the five-day option here. I will I will look at that though. I know it's in there. I just see they're not detailing it out. Um, yeah. So keep that on your radar because if they try to – that should require an amendment in my opinion to the Constitution to be able to change something like that with, with just an act of Congress. I mean – Pretty crazy. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I wonder how many times the Democrats had their... They had challenges. They have challenges all the time. Every time a Republican wins, they challenge it. That's all they ever do. I, I shared a video. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to play it in a minute, but I'll play it after this. Just They had the House Financial Services Committee hearing where they bring in all the big banks and they sit them in, in, in a row and they ask them questions. This blew my mind. It's not surprising at all, but I just want you to hear. Um, who's going to speak is is a is a House rep. I'm not sure exactly who. And he's talking about one of his staffers. Just listen to this. The gentleman okay. from Indiana, Mr. Oh. Hollingsworth, Hollingsworth, is now recognized for five minutes. Well, good afternoon. And at the table is Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and all of them, you know? Oh, oh, the, so the government. Yeah, basically, which is what you'll hear in a second. Excited to be here with each of you. Before I get started on my questions, Mr. Moynihan, I wanted to let you know, Saruthi, raise your hand, Saruthi. 
She has been my team member for a couple of years now, but on Monday, she becomes a Bank of America team member, about which she is very, very excited. So I hope you'll take good care of her and know and recognize the talent that she has shown already in our office. I'm sure she'll do the same at Bank of America. We will do that, and her father already works for us, so he'll oh, take care of it. You should have called us. <laughs> Aren't they cozy? Uh, isn't that something? Oh, so isn't that cozy? I, I can't even... All, imagine all the dinners and all the holidays they spend together. <laughs> so nice to be on the outside looking in. I, I, who are we? I mean, we only just we we just we're just the collateral. For this game. <laughs> it's so true. We're the, we are the the filthy unwashed collateral for the game that they play. We put a dollar into one of their damn bank accounts. They can loan out nine more that don't exist. They get filthy rich. And then uh, when it all collapses, we need to we need to check our racism and our xenophobia. Speaking of racism and xenophobia, here's Rashida Talib challenging bank CEOs. Just listen to this exchange. It's something else. You have all committed, as you all know, uh, to transition the emissions from lending and investment activity to align with pathways to net zero in 2050. Do you know uh, what the International Energy Energy um, Agency has said is required to meet our goal, global 2050 net? targets of limiting she can't even read what our staffer wrote for her to read she's, she's a very stupid woman i mean seriously here we go temperature rise to 2.7 degrees fahrenheit or 1.5 degrees celsius so celsius, no celsius. new fossil fuel it's production starting today that's so that's like zero so i would like to ask all of you and go down the list because again you all have agreed to doing this please answer with a simple yes or no does your bank have a policy against funding new oil and gas products, Mr. Diamond? Absolutely not, and that would be the road to hell for America. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Sir, you know what? Everybody that got relief from student loans has a bank account with your bank should probably re- re- take out their account and close their account. You, you can't do that, you loser. You, you, she's saying everybody who has a student loan. Yeah. I'm going to take my student loan and leave. Yeah. You can't God, do that. Geez, she's she's a so dumb. She has no idea how it works. He's basically like, if we stop lo- lending money to fossil fuel companies to, to, to do their projects, the, America will, will burn. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm going to tell all of these kids who have student loans to leave your bank. Like, that's going to, you an idiot. Yeah, well, that's it. The, 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 the Democrat Party is run on idiocy. There's another, there's another two, a minute and 19 seconds of this where she basically scolds all these people who, as they, they go down the line, get more gentle with their answers. I don't know if you want to hear it. It's up to you. Let, let's just play the rest of this because she loses her crap. Here we go. You're not even there to help relieve many of the folks that are in debt, extreme <laughs> debt because of student loan debt and you're out there criticizing it. Miss, Wait, hold, a hold on. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. You're not even there to relieve the people of the debt that they voluntarily take out with you. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know what? It would be really, really good if government would stop guaranteeing these loans so that many of the children, their families, most of whom have no business going to college in the first place, nor do they have any prospects of paying for college, would be rightly rejected for a school loan, which would actually be the greatest way to save their future. Because then maybe then in the meantime, they can go and pick up a trade. 
it's crazy how people don't understand how government guaranteed loans have not only ruined things, but driven up the cost of college to a, a place where it's just completely ridiculous. If the government wasn't guaranteeing that every 18 year old purple haired loser could get a loan for $200,000 to study gender studies, then, then, then colleges would have to compete. Seriously. I, I think that maybe, maybe 75% of kids that are in college shouldn't be there. Agreed. It's, it's just be it's just become one of those things you have to do now. Oh, after high school you go to college. Oh, if you don't go to college, what's going to become of you? <laughs> I don't know. Take a look. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's not. It's, it's it's just not a requirement. It's not, and it's changing. Frank, it really is. Viv, Viv's not going right to college, and if she decides she wants to go, she'll go when she knows what the hell she wants to study. It, there's this is not an open ticket. Just go to college for a hundred grand and figure out what you want to do with your life. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Here, let's listen to the rest of her babbling. Sure, how about you? Uh, we will continue to invest in uh, and support clients who are investing in fossil fuels and in uh, in helping them transition to cleaner energies. And Mr. Uh, Monahan? We are helping our clients make a transition, and that means we're, inve- we're lending to both oil and gas companies and to new energy companies. And I, I don't even... We're going to yes. help them transition to a... a a model that is completely unsustainable and will never work as civilization cr- cr- you know crashes down around us. We're we're going to help all of our oil and gas companies transition sex. Yeah, that too. <laughs> if we can just make oil and gas a little bit more feminine, <laughs> then perhaps we can end this terrible scourge on the planet. Oh my gosh, I swear. So I guess there's another story going on. This guy, Shannon Brandt, who mowed down a teenage Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. You hear about this? Yep. He He's already out on bond. He's already out. He's, this is him sitting in front of the judge saying why it is that he should should be, you know, looked upon in a lenient way. Here I don't understand the differences. 41-year-old Shannon Brandt had a tough time understanding the charges against him, vehicular homicide, and leaving the scene of a deadly accident. A judge ordered Brandt held on $50,000 cash, which he objected, saying he's not a flight risk. I have a job and a, and a, a life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. Oh, you mean like the life that you extinguish with your car? <laughs> What are you, you you're talking about the family member that's not going to be there for for his, his parents and everybody uh, the family the, the empty chair at Thanksgiving and Christmas that has that has gone by the wayside you animal you should have been shot on sight it it's it's terrible he's already out of course he is of course he is and the fact that this is not bigger news he said not bigger he, news he said that um the 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 ch- child he mowed down was on the phone and he was afraid that they were coming to get him right yeah he was part of a republican extremist group as per brandt but that's not true the kid called his mom and said they're chasing me this is really bad come get me and the mom went to go get him this dude was was drunk brandt i mean Oh, he's obviously mentally ill as well. Yeah, I mean, clearly. So, so he he should be in a padded room right now. The fact that he's he's out on bond and able to breathe free air is is incredible. Well, I mean, he only mowed down a Republican, Frank. So why? I know, I know, and it was it was only a, a young Republican. 
So that's that's akin to actually being able to get the time machine and kill Hitler while there's he's still young. Yeah. You know, everybody's fantasy about fixing history. This is the this is what the messaging of the left in this country, the the this is what the messaging of moderate Democrats are now. Yeah. Moderate members of the party are going before cameras and talking about extremism and 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 uh, and and uh, throwing this black cloud over half of the country. They're, they're making this possible. The FBI makes this possible. The White House makes this possible. The media made this murder possible. But um, but uh, but still, they have to go breathlessly describe January 6th in more and more severe ways every day to make people believe it actually was the Bay of Pigs and not just a big damn joke. You know what's crazy is there was a clip I saw yesterday. Someone, um, maybe I can find it. Um, someone was, they were in a hearing in, in, I don't know if it was the House or the Senate, but a representative was was challenging one of the Democrat members on the fact that a police officer was bludgeoned to death that day which is is false there there you know and he's saying did that even really happen and the democrats like i can't believe that you would use this opportunity to question hey what's the difference if it happened you know this was a terrible are you are you you talking about uh what chip roy and dan what's his name did to my representative mondaire jones um, I don't remember Chip Roy in this clip, but if you have it, please send he, it to Ch- me. Chip Roy is sitting next to – hold on a second. Let me see. Thursday Night Show. Where's my format? There you go. Um, hold on. Yeah. D- Dan Bishop. Hold on. Let me see here. Hold on here. Check your Skype. Okay. I gotta pull it up. Now this is after this is after Mondaire Jones said what he said about uh, he kept kept keeps referencing police bludgeoned to death there, uh, police dying directly related to the 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 happenings of January sixth, which is completely false. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. I can play yeah. it now. Yeah, Mondaire Jones is my district representative now. He replaced L- Nita Lowy. This is what this is what we have to live with. Did I hear, and I think, did you say that that a police officer was bludgeoned to death by the crowd at the January 6th riots? I said a police officer was bludgeoned to death. I did not say at the hands of whom, Mr. Bishop. Oh. It's not right either way. It's wrong. Both both ways, like you just said. Here, wait, here we go. And get that information for you in a few minutes. Well, I, I just want to make sure, because are you, I, are you, are you denying that, Capitol poli- that at least one Capitol police officer was... Was murdered in the in the midst of what, what? happened yes. in January. Yes. yes, I think I am denied. I mean, here's what I, I understood that there were reports early on that that Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher, and that subsequently was debunked as false. He died of natural causes that were not connected to the event. Are we talking about the same person, Sicknick, or are we talking about somebody else? I don't know. Seriously, I mean, this, this, it's a genuine question. Yeah, the no, the I, medical examiner. The U.S. Capitol Police put out a report agreeing with the medical examiner finding the U.S. CP officer Brian Mr. Mr. Bishop, well, just a, a, in a, an initial thought, and, and I know um, that Mr. Roy, you two are an attorney. Uh, Mr. Bishop speaks often about how brilliant of an attorney he is. Uh, you know, we're talking about but for causation uh, no. of Officer Sicknick's death, and so I, I would hope that you would at least concede, at a minimum, that Mr. Sicknick died as a result of what happened on January. No. 6th. No. no. 
it did not. No, he didn't. And the other ones too. The other one outside of Sicknick, which has been, I mean, they had to stop talking about him over a year ago because it's just not right. Nothing about it can be used. But you see, they general. I'm telling you, Tracy. I wish I'm trying to find a copy online of these anti Lee Zeldin commercials being aired over here in New York that keep referencing to the brave Capitol Police who died on January 6th. Lee Zeldin voted to reject the the election and blah, blah, he hates abortion and blah. I mean, it's they keep referring to a the brave police that they that they hated a year before the January 6th uh, mosh pit. But the other thing that they keep talking about is the other four, five that died. We're talking about four mysterious suicides again that have never been spoken about. And I said, if um, if you're going to tell me that these four police officers who were reported dead at their own hands in the days and weeks after January 6th was because of the trauma that they witnessed there, where I guess that there was two experiences for police that day. You're either ripping tickets and bringing people inside like an usher or you're experiencing life-ending trauma. If that's the case, then half of the D.C. police force and the Secret Service should have killed themselves after May 2020 when Black Lives Matter and Antifa firebombed the White House. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there should be nothing left of the D.C. police force after May of 2020 when they were trying to get to the White House. They lit the the, the St. John's Church up, and there was it, half of them should have killed themselves. Yeah, that that I mean, yeah. I mean, they they will stack bodies however they can, and then generalize when they go into these ridiculous rants because if they don't have this at this point, then what do they have? They have nothing. They need this to be Bay of Pigs because. Everything that they have done in response has been so draconian and scary. In fact, you can say that that the, the people who have killed themselves, the political prisoners at the hands of people, nutty, nutty people like Mondaire Jones that have killed themselves has been far more than anything that they've been able to pretend was a loss on their end. There's, how many people have killed themselves? Oh, I know of at least so far? three. And that's that's on top of the the people that uh, that we have that people like Julie Kelly have uncovered that have been nearly bludgeoned to death there. The security camera footage. This has been such a travesty. But they they control the reality machine. So apparently, I don't know whatever. how that dude looks at himself in the mirror. I mean, he knows what he's saying is a bull. They he- have no shame. They can't. These people are unable to feel shame. It's part of them. If it's been disabled, or else. If they had some kind of shame center in their brains, they wouldn't be able to function like this for long. Most people, you and I, if we made a statement as egregious as that and it turned out that we were so false and it just looked so bad, I mean, we would probably bury our heads in the sand for a couple of weeks. Maybe maybe just let it all die down and, and try to pick up the pieces of our pride and um, and learn a lesson going forward. I'm going to double and triple check things before I say something again. But he, he just doesn't care. He he actually diverted attention to an even bigger number of 138 police officers that had to seek medical attention afterwards be, uh, to be able to get away from the fact that he's been caught on the, the, the previous generalized lie. Yeah. We could finish listening to it. It's not that much longer here. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not that much. And, and I'm disappointed if you would suggest otherwise, sir. Well, I, okay. <laughs> 
I mean, look, I, I don't think that's correct either, but just was he bludgeoned to death? Is that because I think Ms. Demings was even looking at we were sotto voce between me and her saying he was. I'm, I'm sincere as, as I can be. My understanding is that that was debunked, and, and Mr. Roy just read the medical examiner's information. Do, do you guys contend that he was bludgeoned to death? I, I contend that 138 Capitol and D.C. police officers mm -hmm. were injured and that multiple Capitol police officers died Wait, as a direct I was just, result of what happened on January result, 6th. He lied again? You, yeah. The four, four suicides we still know nothing about. He, this is gross. It's I can't. I, I I wonder what the thoughts of some some uh some combat veterans out there who th think about that uh, think about that that line of logic that four Capitol police officers killed themselves as a direct result of the horrors that they saw that day. What? I, I jeez. Speechless. There's not even anything to say as they go back and forth and and this virtue signaling nincompoop sits there trying to make some case while he's being called to the carpet on his bull and he knows it's bull that's the thing he knows it terrible i didn't know citizen free press had a uh, youtube channel yeah it's like 100 subscribers oh high drama during alex jones trial you want to listen to that sure oh wait there's a there's also another one about the judge we have one more wait, here well let's just listen to this that's the real rocky parker isn't it I mean, I said years ago, I thought something was going to happen. Robert Parker's sitting right here. He's real, isn't he? Yes. And for years, you put a target on his back, didn't you? Objection in the form of that judge. Oh. Well, I mean, I... Did you? I didn't have said his name. It's true. I haven't said other people's names. I who they are. You put a target on his back, just like you did every single parent and loved one sitting Oh, Jesus. Day. You know what? <laughs> It's it, almost it, like Alex Jones is sitting up there after being accused of murdering six hundred people in inside. Yeah, no, it. I it, that would be interesting uh, experience if I can put myself in Alex Jones's shoes. Because number one, obviously, you know that they're coming for everything you have, and they're trying to make a mark of you. I mean, he was the he was the uh, the the prototype. He was the prototype for censorship on the internet. So. He knows that he's the tip of the spear for what they want to do for the rest of us and that they want to really destroy him. So there's got to be that. Then there's also the um, the business opportunity that is being created from all this because he's more relevant than ever and his viewership is bigger than it ever has been because of all this. So you have to, you have to say, okay, there's an upside to, to being the target of all this craziness. And then there is the uh, then there's then there's the almost like the comic relief aspect of the trial itself. That lawyer screaming at him is that that seventh grade Christmas play acting. Yeah, yeah. That's the, the, that outrage that supposed outrage is seventh grade Christmas play, 1997 acting. Horrible. <laughs> so I mean, it's funny. That's that. At least that's funny. Then there's a business opportunity in this, and then there's also the fear of wow, they're really they're really trying to dis destroy me right here, right I, now. I haven't gotten to listen to it yet, but uh, Del Bigtree had Alex Jones on, and uh, it's it. Everybody's talking about that interview and how like absolutely broken he is. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess he's becoming a little bit more weighted down by everything. Yeah, but. He had Alex Stein 99 on hosting yesterday. Infowars? Yeah. Yeah. And 
you should have seen Alex Stein 99 doing his Alex Jones impression, ripping his shirt off and talking about the satanic Hillary Clinton eating babies on... Oh, goodness. Anyway, that's it for today. We'll go into the weekend on that note. <laughs> you have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with... Thank God it's Friday, Val. And... Beans! You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We'll see you back here on Monday. Later. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. This week's Agree or Disagree, we are going to go to two different Reddit posts I saw, which uh, were one was from uh, the Reddit user 4soup3809, and the other one is from the Hardcore Casual. That is a great MMA Reddit username, by the way. And so we'll first off start off with the first post, which was Year in Hot Takes. This was from the Hardcore Casual. So he's got nine hot takes here. Number one, Charles liquidates Islam inside a minute. I'm going to disagree with that one. But if Oliveira beats Islam Mahachev, it's probably the way he does it, I think. I think it's it's a quick and, and early finish. So I, I disagree. Uh, I'm thinking that doesn't happen. I would disagree just because Charles tends to be a slow starter. He's not a guy that gets off to a quick pace, but we both know in that matchup, he's going to have to stop the takedown. Number two. John Jones versus Stipe looks like Tony versus Nate. So old and slow and sad that it ends any hype for their next fights and effectively their careers. I'll disagree with this one, Daniel. Yeah, John Jones is not going to look slow, I don't think. I know he's 35 years old and it's been two years since we've seen him fight, but I still have full confidence that uh, that's not the case. I'm going to I'm going to disagree as well. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.